From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in Saturday Afternoon, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy. I, too, make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are fighting games, finally, and character role-playing in narrative games. And so, if everyone is ready... Let's start. Kudos, Martha. Yay, I did it. Applause. (laughs) I made it through, you guys. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) So we're we're mixing it up a little bit in our new year... Here at Game Nice Games Club. Uh, you almost got the name of the show I wrong. I know. I almost got the name of the show wrong. That's uh, okay. You got the intro. That's right, what's important. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, That's great. So, uh, Stephen. Yes. You just did a talk recently. I did. How did that go? I did a talk at IGDA. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it was last week. Oh, it feels like longer. <laughs> Calendar math. Uh, it went really well. Um, I, 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 I keep saying that like I'm surprised that it went well, but I forget that our community is amazing sometimes, which is terrible, right? <laughs> um, no, Steven, you forget how great you are. Oh, geez. yeah. I mean, yeah, I did a pretty good job hosting, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly, a lot of people gave, um, a lot of good notes and things, um, on the questions that I asked and other people asked. Uh, so it was sort of a like a roundtable sort of thing. Yeah. It was, it was really more of a discussion sort of thing. Uh, so a lot of IGDAs, um, they're like, Hey, listen to this person lecture you for 90 minutes. And, uh, well, I mean, they're more exciting than that. You always say it that way. Like, like, of course everyone thinks that's boring. And Martha and I over here are like, we love that. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. <laughs> okay, sure. But I, I've heard in the past that it's not super exciting for a lot of people. And uh-huh. I just feel like I want to include more people in the discussions. So I literally made a discussion topic thing. Um, and so um, I did that, and it went really well. Uh, mm-hmm. People answer a lot of questions and stuff. I need to gather those notes and uh, post them, and I'll hopefully have them by the time this episode goes out. Oh, uh, I'm gonna put yourself a deadline. I know I'm gonna regret this later. <laughs> You're on tape now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's great is that uh, Stephen like Donahue it, you know, where like um, at the the nerdery where we hold these things, there's a, um, a sort of a tiered kind of audience space in, in this auditorium, and um, he had uh, two microphones. And he yes. had one, and then he walked up and down the corridors yep. and handed uh, off, totally Donahue'd it. It was yeah. great. It was really good. <laughs> That's basically what I did. Added little comments here and there while I was tra- tra- traversing, uh-huh. which was kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, game dev game show or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Ooh, That's how I should theme it next time I do it. It's a game dev da, game da, show. Da, da. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ludum Dari is coming up? Yes. Uh, I think we were talking about how uh, Global Game Jam is coming up in January, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about we, we we always promote game jams. And Stephen, you were saying when people say, "How do I get involved? How do I start doing more in indie game dev?" Like, "Oh, go to a game jam. You'll learn a lot real quick, and yep. you'll have something to show for it." Yep. Um, but uh, there's only a couple of like high profile in person game jams uh, in our area, yeah. and because we here at um, you know the people around at Glitch put so much emphasis on the Global Game Jam event because it's a huge event mm-hmm. and it's amazing. We tend to like d- downgrade every all the other game jams in, like in our minds. Well, anyway. not just that, but I never hear about them until the last minute. Well, that's part of it is because we're so involved in this specific community yeah. that a lot a lot of what we do revolves around the things we do here that we do. Yeah, and so it's really easy to miss the rest of the stuff because we have plenty to do mm-hmm. in this community. Like we have so much. Oh yeah, that we forget there's so much more. And so um, anyway, and, and Lane w- with us was just looking up like uh, oh Ludum Dare is coming up. 
in like a week. Yeah. And so we at that moment resolved to do it. Uh, you and me and Lane and Sarah, uh-huh. uh, who's been a guest on the show. Um, and so Martha, you want to join us? It's in a week. Uh, sure. <laughs> Wait, now now you're on tape. <laughs> December 1st through 4th. Yeah. yeah. So actually, um, listeners, uh, I did the calendar math. Oh man. I know. Right. Um, it, the, you'll, you'll actually have a chance to do this. Cause I think we are releasing this a couple days before then. So, um, yeah, check it out. Uh, ludumandare.org. Now see, I should have checked that. Uh, <laughs> but Google. you got the calendar, man. Yeah. We'll put that in the notes, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I've never done a Ludum Dare and it's, it, it, there's not really a ton of rules. There's two versions of it. There's the jam, which is a three day jam, which is like a little nice. Uh-huh. Um, and you just submit your thing and whatever. And it's, uh, there is a theme, um, yeah. Uh, but they don't have a lot of, you can use code you've done already. You can use um, stock sound effects as long as you've, you know, uh, have license to them and stuff. Yeah. But they have a separate thing. Uh, uh, they have a competition, which is, uh, I think that's the core of the Ludum Dari experience, which is a, a single developer only. Yes. Which I would love to do, but like I've already committed to a team on this one. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you only have two days, you have 48 hours and everything has to be made from scratch. Um, I think there are some like exceptions, but they're like really heavily uh, regulated in terms of like what you can. Uh, it's like you can you can use existing sound effects or art as long as it's incredibly derivative that you've done a lot of. And then they, there's a whole article they have on the site about like what's a derivative art piece of art and what isn't. Wow. And they're like, yeah, if you put a couple extra pixels on Mario's nose, that's derivative. But it, we don't really, you know, please don't. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's actually fairly interesting huh. reading about that but um yeah we're gonna do the jam because we don't we're not gonna destroy yeah. it we're not gonna you know we don't hate ourselves Mm-mm. um <laughs> at least not yet um but i don't know i i think we're gonna try to do it here at glitch we might find some other place to do it but um i'm i'm excited because yeah. i feel like it go it's such a ocean of time between game jams for me now and um, and I'm always telling other people to do it. So right. what, why Ludum am I doing Dare, more? Ludum Dare, however you pronounce the dang. I always say Ludum Dare, but but recently I'm like, no, I, I've been hearing other people say it, so I'm correct. I, well, I, I don't think there's a consensus on how to say it. Oh, really? <laughs> so. I, don't know, I don't know if it means anything in specific, actually. I, well, doesn't it looks Latin-y. Like yeah. Ludum doesn't, is that, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to not well, we'll say leave, any We'll that. leave that to listeners to look up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it happens like, I feel like it happens quarterly. Three every three months. Every three months. Yeah, yeah. it's quarterly. It's, this is the fortieth one, and it's so it's. I mean, you can do the math on that. It's been going for for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It's just I never hear about it until the last minute, except for this one because Lane was like, "Hey, let's find out." Yeah, yeah. And so. it's just enough time to commit to it. If it was yes. like, if if you know, if it was if it was this weekend. Right. And that we're recording and we just heard about it like two days ago. I'd have been like, I'd love to. And I could probably, we probably could, but you just don't like want to commit to something that short notice, but a week two, remember it was a two and a half weeks or something. Mm -hmm. That's plenty of time to, to, you know, uh, put the noose around your neck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Well, something that is happening this weekend that we're recording is the My Brother, My Brother and Me live show in Minneapolis, and I'm so excited, and I'm going tonight, and I don't care about anything else, and I wasn't really listening to when you guys were talking about other things, because I'm too busy thinking about My Brother, My Brother and Me live tonight, and I'm very excited. Yeah. When we started this show, I asked you, Martha, like, what podcast do you listen to? And you're like, oh, I love podcasts, and all you listen to is Bim Bam, right? <laughs> it's like the only podcast you listen to, but that counts, because that is, like, liking that show is enough to be into podcasts, because they're such a pinnacle of the field. It's true. Well, I mean, I, n- since then, I yeah. branched out into more other podcasts. Mostly right, I don't mean to be other, in the case about it. Mostly other McElroy products, <laughs> but... Right, because they have, like, 30 podcasts yeah. now, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm very, I'm very and spouses, excited. and yeah, 
<laughs> it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know about it, go check it out. My brother, my brother, and me. Yeah, so we're, this show is probably not going to be one of the long ones because Martha has a heart out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got my topic to talk about, and it might take a while. Oh, wow. Because this is a big deal, y'all. Is it? It is. I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> transitions. This is what you get when Martha hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Solid transition. <laughs> well, my topic is fighting games. And I've been wanting to do this for forever because I love fighting games. Um, but there's not a lot of, well, I shouldn't say that. I feel like there's a decent amount of fighting game people here in Minnesota. But that is not how you feel. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're That's not how I express my, okay, yeah, okay. Here, here um, <laughs> it's a very conflicting, okay. So there's like. You just don't want to be down on anybody. No, I just want more people to play fighting games because they're great, y'all. They're so good. The, the, there is a community. It's like games and go. I used to go there sometimes because I used to have Soul Calibur four, 5 tournaments. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think I talked about this on the show before, but I entered one and I won $5. Um, it was $7 to enter, but <laughs> it's still worth it. I feel like that was one of the first stories you told on this yeah. show. I'm having nostalgia about that story. <laughs> well, I am too, having lived it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so there is like the games and go, uh, where is that in Roseville or something? Yeah. I can't remember. It's the um, mall out there. I haven't been there in a long time, but they, mm-hmm. they have fighting game tournaments regularly. And so there's that scene. But other than that, I don't think there's anything really big here, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate because we have a big, speed I think, running. I think it's because you are, I mean, you're entrenched in the indie dev scene. Yes. Here. The fighting game scene is a totally different. It's like, I'm, I'm it sure is. there's many people, but like, mm-hmm. You're caught up in this community. Yeah. And, and I think that's what you want is you want m- more people in this community to be playing and developing fighting games. Literally just one. <laughs> just, you just need a opponent. Just one. It's <laughs> just one person. Um, so what's really nice is that like uh, there's I have a friend, uh, Rafi, who is in Wisconsin um, and he's making a it's a fighting game. Uh, it's called uh, the, the, the moon fields. It's really fun. And I whoop him in that every time we play. Nice. Uh, brave cat, y'all. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I, like, I, I really enjoy going down there sometimes and playing because it's just I finally get that competitive thrill that mm-hmm. I don't really get in the, the here. Yeah. Um, so now that's why I want to talk about it because maybe I can get y'all inspired and then you can fight <laughs> me and I can beat you, but you'll enjoy it and it'll be. <laughs> it's, it's funny you describe right. the Moonfields as a fighting game. Yeah. Because it has, there's so much uh, like projectiles and it's, it's a, isometric and so i i don't know because i'm thinking of like competitive games like that mm-hmm. or like metro nexus but like you never would never describe that and you well, don't you don't play metro nexus competitively no i don't you I don't mean, ever try to fight anybody in that no. game metro nexus isn't a i wouldn't call it a fighting game I well think, no i wouldn't either but yeah. I, but I like i wouldn't call it maybe because the, the moon fields is like finicky and has a million rules like and is is like yeah. is tedious to play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoa, this is nice games. No, no, it's, no, it's by design. Like that's the point of it. It's supposed to be a highly technical experience. Yeah. And I, Rafi's getting what he wants from that. Um. But uh, so, but that I think that's all it shares with the fighting game. It's well, no, it's got. I mean, we can go into the term. Yeah, so let, lay it on. Yeah. Term. So, like, what are what is a fighting game? So yeah, so fighting game is when you and an opponent or two opponents and two other opponents fight each other in a video game really simple basic stuff (laughs) but like um a lot of times think a lot of times people think of like street fighter or uh uh uh, (laughs) tekken i hate tekken or cloudbreaker or cloudbreaker yes all our listeners think of cloudbreaker first right steven at this table you're the only one who has not made a competitive 
game that would fit your category. <laughs> Wait, well, no, Clawbreaker. I worked on he's that. In the oh, club. that's right. You did. See, I always forget that. <laughs> yeah, I, that one's a weird one because I, I I didn't think when I was working on it, I didn't yeah. think of it as a fighting game until like we got far along and i was like oh wait yeah. a minute this is a fighting game uh <laughs> but yeah that one's fun mm-hmm. um but anyways yeah. yeah i forgot how enormous that team was it's so big it's like <laughs> seven eight which isn't that big compared to like well for a one day for game a, yeah for a one game game jam and in mm-hmm. the indie devs that's pretty large yeah um anyways yeah that's what a fighting game is it's super simple uh there are different types of fighting games though there are 2d fighters and 3d fighters 2d fighters like street fighter and marvel vs. capcom um, is when you're just on a 2D plane and you can only move up and down left and right. Um, whereas 3D fighters like Soul Calibur or Dead or Alive, those are, you can move all over the map, but like there's still constraints. So oftentimes you kind of fight on one plane, but you can like move, you can dip in and out of, uh, you can angle yourself differently mm-hmm. to like avoid another person's attacks and stuff. Uh, I Virtua Fighter was like that. Virtua Fighter is a 3D fighter, yeah. Right, but you could you could kind of play it only knowing how 2D fighters work, and you'd still be fine. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Though, like the difference, I think the largest difference between 2D fighters and 3D fighters is the amount of jumping you do. Like in 2D fighters, there's a whole bunch of jumping because you can only move left and right, up and down. Ah, sure. You got to do a lot of that. But 3D fighters, they don't have a lot of jumping because there's that extra in and out that you can do. So a lot of times, instead of moving or jumping you'll just move left and right mm-hmm. dodge people's stuff yeah the large like the base stuff thing that you really need to know i feel like about fighting games is like there's neutral disadvantage and advantage so in neutral is when you're just like starting off and you're not fighting you haven't like done any damage yet or you're trying to figure out a open to get into dealing a lot of damage to this person mm-hmm. you're just trying to find an opening both players are trying to find an opening whereas disadvantage is where uh, you have gotten hit and the opponent is like has advantage over you is like has you in the air or something that's juggling you or you're on the ground and you can't move yet and you have you only have so many options you can do. And advantage is when you've hit the opponent and you have that advantage and they're sitting on the ground or they're in the air and you have to juggle them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are different kinds of things, uh, and that's like base fighting games. Even the Moonfields has that, mm-hmm. uh, like. I, I play as Brave Cat, which is really fun. I just have I'm I'm a lion thing, and I have a giant mace, and I just run at people nice. and hit them. Yeah, it's great. So my new neutral- undersells how like adorable that character is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the art but, style in that game is my favorite part of it. Yeah, and it's like it's all sort of voxel art mm-hmm. in three. It's sort of pretty. It's really cute. And, cute. and, he, and Rafi made a ton of characters for it. Yeah, which for my game design instincts is like I don't like that too many characters, but they're all they're all great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all really good. Mm-hmm. But like, is that why you picked that character? Uh, I picked Brave Cat specifically because he's simpler compared to the other characters. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you could the way that Moonfields works is there's a bunch of different items you can um, put on your character. Yeah, and uh, I often find that that's too many options. And we can talk about that a little bit too because I want to talk about like breadth versus depth mm-hmm. in in fighting games and games in general. Yeah, but like. I feel like having all of those options is not very useful because I'm very successful with Brave Cat because all I have is a mace and a shield. I just run up to people, slam on the mace, and kill them. Right. That game allows you up to five, five, five different weapons yeah. or, or defend the ob- items that you can mix yep. and match yep. at, at your. So the permutations are incredible. Right, right. But yeah, you just want the sort of simple, effective. Yeah, and not just that, but like I, I feel like I have plenty of options just with that. Yeah. Um, and like when I'm in neutral and I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to get in, uh, find an opening mm-hmm. from the opponent, I'm so fast that I can like dip in and out of uh, their range really quick. Yeah. And that's footsies. Footsies is when like you're uh, 
you're trying you're just out of range of an opponent and you're just you're trying to get you're trying to get in range but you don't want to get in their range so they can hit you it's like a uh-huh. weird dance back and forth it's really fun it's the best that's so like the attempt to have your cake and eat it too is that yeah kind of <laughs> right you're trying to you're trying to mess with the opponent's head or get like the accurate spacing so you can get your hit and they can't get their hit uh, metro nexus has that for sure it does yeah yeah well, that's, I, a, that's a principle that's, I've tuned that I didn't know what it was called but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean yeah there's a lot of um, little there's a lot of fighting game principles that could be applied to a lot of different games and yeah. that, that well it's interesting that. the way you describe these these terms is really a, that it's very much from a player perspective yeah it doesn't seem like it's from a designer perspective and that's really fascinating to me mm-hmm. is like is a way to categorize and catalog your experiences and 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 I guess that's that's kind of why I'm really interested about the definition of a fighting game. But it sounds like the players have decided these things are important to fighting games. Yeah, and that they sort of all need to be there at least to some degree for it to sort of count. Not that I not that I think anyone's being really like you know uh, uh, restrictive about what they call a fighting game. Mm-hmm. But I think for them to develop into this community, it kind of does. They all have to kind of meet these criteria. Um, well, no, that, that's not completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, what's the name? Dive kick, dive kick really just dive is- kick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dive kick really only has neutral. It doesn't really have an advantage and disadvantage uh-huh. because when you get hit, you're down. So uh, uh-huh. you can't really have advantage. The advantage is winning the thing. <laughs> you can't really have one of those. So like, it's largely right. just a back and forth. It's largely just footsies and spacing and poke. Well, not pokes. Mm-hmm. There's no pokes because a poke is a death. That game is crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that game is so cool. Yeah, yeah, I like Dive Kick too. Um, a poke is like when you're just hitting an opponent, but not for a lot of damage. You're just trying to get them to like feel your rhythm or get into the rhythm. Man, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to get real technical about stuff. I don't know how to t- describe rhythm in fighting games either. Hmm. Well, I used to fence in high school. Yes, yes. And so I feel like, uh, like when I play Clawbreaker, I feel like I'm using the same tactics or whatever yeah it's like you're like it's like correct me if i'm wrong Mm. but it's like you're coming up to them and like just you know tapping their blade being like hey yeah hey yeah hey yeah hey come at me yeah hey you're trying to get them to do an action first so that you can like react more strongly to your tapping than you than that is exactly you're setting the terms of the engagement so that you're in control yeah yeah so they react to you and you get to be proactive yeah 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 that's it Man, you should play fighting games, Martha. You should, you should fight in something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, spoiler alert, you guys are going to be playing a fighting game against oh. each other in a nice place. Dun, uh, dun, dun. Next week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, those are the different terms and things. I can. I think I'll, I'll find a link and we'll put those in the show, in yeah. the show notes so that people can read more about them. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I did the best job of describing them. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I really like fighting games because like you feel so you feel so like when you're really when you really understand a fighting game because the the I think the hardest part about fighting games is that there's always that technical hurdle you have to learn all these combos you have to learn all these moves yeah um, and a lot of people don't want to deal with all that they just want to mash and win um, but like when you're when you're really when you understand all of those things and you're just like fighting an opponent then you're like trying to get in that opponent's head it's cool it's like you feel a, <laughs> you feel a cool connection to your opponent yeah, in a, in a way that um, is difficult to match in other games. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Just wish there were more people and I could <laughs> do that with here. Um, we should make a, a 
fighting game tournament at Glitch sometime. That'd be really fun. Well, for a while there was an there attempt, was a fighting right? game um, event. Uh, the the hosts had moved to Washington D.C. Uh, a few months back. Oh, that's probably been a year or so by now. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and even then that event wasn't super popular. It was always the same people that showed up, which is fine. But mm-hmm. uh, I, it's funny. I always wanted to go to that. It was um, was it White Belts. Yeah, it was designed to be really new, newbie friendly, mm-hmm. and I that really was attractive to me because yeah. I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to sit and watch other people be good at fighting games. I actually want to play, and I, I'm happy to lose every time, but mm-hmm. like, you know, um, so that was exciting. I never made it. I just never once made it to one of those. Yeah, and then it stopped, and I, that's I, so I assumed you were the host because you're the only one <laughs> ever talked about fighting games. <laughs> right, that makes sense. But no, I wasn't actually the host, and mm-hmm. I if if I had the time, I totally would host it, but I just can't. Do yeah. It. Um. So if you're interested in hosting a fighting game event at Glitch. Yeah, please let me know. Get at him. Like, yes, because oh man, I want one so bad. Um, <laughs> but that is a good point. I want to know a way to make fighting games more approachable for people mm-hmm. because that's the I think that's the hardest part. Like Super Smash Brothers, which is a fighting game for those people who don't believe that, which is terrible. It's a fighting game, y'all. Uh, <laughs> um, it, they made the the inputs really simple because everybody has the same button inputs. It's just move with a control stick and then press A or B. Um, and that makes it more uh, approachable. But I don't know if that's as intuitive as um, it's necessary or as could be. Mm-hmm. Dive kick is super simple because there's just two buttons. Yeah. Um, and you just press one or the other or both and get different results from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that kind of uh, thing. But like, well, how else can you make a fighting game more accessible? I mean, I mean, that's in that's, that's the direction I would take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's one of the things I did in Metro Nexus was make sure that the controls, even if they're not easy to learn at first, they never get more complicated. Yeah. So the beginner knows as much as the expert, and it becomes a matter of employing the mechanics and about wh- where you, you know, like where you jump from rather than the ability to jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because I'm not a fan of twitch twitch controls, but I am a fan of like precise platforming kind of gaming. Yeah. And so I think um, having a, using your controller like a instrument. Uh, rather than like a input device, I get that these are all very fuzzy metaphors. But I, I always think fighting games because they have these incredibly abstracted things where so much of the like, especially a game like Street Fighter, mm-hmm. um, where um, the controls, the inputs are different for every player, and they have sort of a metaphorical relationship to what you're doing. Yeah. But for the most part, the harder the harder it is to get to press the buttons in the right order, the right time, the right sequence, the more effective the move. That's that feels kind of like how it. Uh, generally, the the harder it is to input, the more damage it deals. Right. But the less it's it's uh, you don't use those regularly. You use those at, like as combo finishers or something. Right. Right. And 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 part of it is it's about controlling the player's ability to do it because right. they're they're complicated. They take some time as well, so you can't employ them in when you're you know in a close match or like close to another opponent like so all that's been balanced but like I don't like that I don't mm-hmm. like that kind of control inputs I think games can be really complicated and have lots of depth with very simple controls mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the kind of fighting game I'm interested in yeah like Super Smash Brothers I don't know about is that, that too complicated still? there's a lot to do there's still. a lot of combos things you can do that I never have figured out how to do all I know how I mean, to I do pl- is I swallow p- people as Kirby <laughs> I play as Meta Knight <laughs> Yeah. And I just use that little tornado that, thing wait, he does. In Brawl? Well, mostly in Brawl, because oh. that's, that's when I mostly played that game. Okay. Don't get at me. Don't. <laughs> what no, I'm, say, what I'm saying is one of the reasons I liked yeah. it is because he had two moves that I understood yeah. and that were both about movement. Mm-hmm. And so that felt that just felt fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else was just like, uh, there's like nine things to pick from. And that didn't seem interesting to me. It just, um, it felt like, um, you know that card game War? Yeah. It just felt like that to me. 
Oh, and I'm like, okay. I don't want to get good at war. Like, you know, yeah, like, I th- you. that's where reading your opponent is where all the skill is. And that's great and fine. Mm-hmm. But it just, I don't know. So I, I think even Smash has too many things to do, huh. if oh, that makes sense. Interesting. Well, uh, for the most part, I think characters in Super Smash Bros. have, what, four? Like, 14 moves. Uh-huh. I mean, and it, and it has increased as time goes on. Because, sure, sure. Like, there are some characters that, well, there are some characters that could transform in, like, Melee and Brawl. And there are some characters that have additional attack. They have like combos in their base moves, yeah, um, and stuff. But fourteen moves is still too much I, for me personally. I don't. Okay. Th- that's not like a. I'm not going to stand on a hill and say no, the fighting I, game should have that. Sure, sure. Um, but I do agree that because the benefit of Smash is that the inputs are the same for all players, mm-hmm. the results are different, and I think that is interesting. So I'm I'm on board with that as okay. a, as a as a design choice. Yeah, um, I mean, part of the benefit of that is because all of the inputs are basically the same. If you when you're playing Super Smash Brothers, you're getting better at all of the characters uh-huh. in general. Is until you get to a base level where you understand all the different inputs. And stuff. Yeah, it does the thing I want, which is it removes the um, the sort of technical um, uh, the skill part of it from the the inputs, right? And lets yeah. lets you you lets you master the controls fairly quickly, uh-huh. and then it becomes about the strategy and, and all of that. Yeah, that that is great. But just personally, it's just too many things to do. Mm, okay, like I don't I don't I don't I don't find that complexity interesting. That that's that's breath breath. Breath, breath, breath. <laughs> yeah, that. Let's all say this for a while. Breath, 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 breath. That's that's that versus death. Yeah, um, and I want to talk about that a little bit too. Okay. Because I um like Street Fighter and um Marvel and uh I mean all a lot of fighters they just have a lot of different inputs. And I'm not I'm not super into most of those. I'm into Soul Calibur, which still has a lot of inputs, frankly, mm-hmm. or a lot of different combos and things you can do. Um, but I've noticed that most of the time, um, I'd say like at least a quarter of your move set is almost worthless most of the time. <laughs> you're just not going to pay. You're not going to use it because it's you have something that's either better than that or it's so situational that there's rarely a time when you would ever use it. Yeah. Um, like I played uh, Raphael in in uh, Soul Calibur. I was that. I was the the. Uh, the, the <laughs> I used rapier um, in in that um, fencing and all that. Um, and a lot of people dislike Raphael for that reason, though he's really easy. You just duck or move to the left or the right. But anyway, um, he's got so many different moves, but half of them are useless because like some of them are like parry things that only parry a certain subset of attacks. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand which attacks you can parry. Um, but like even then, you don't get a lot of advantage from it. Sometimes I think Raphael is just undertuned in that game. He was totally nerfed. He was yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like like I I just you don't use those moves, and I feel like they're a waste of space. But like I'm curious, like does does more moves equal better gameplay? I mean, I've already went on about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer depth to breadth. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I mean, I think most people do. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe some people are like the line is probably different for a lot of people. I think what they what they consider crossing over into the thing they don't like, right? Whatever, right? Lane brought up something uh, to me. Uh, he brought up well, this isn't a fighting game, but StarCraft Two. He said that the reason why StarCraft Two failed versus Star, the regular Star or base StarCraft first one uh, is that StarCraft Two was simpler and it had less breath, so like people weren't able to or people learned the game fast enough to the point where like they knew the same things and it was. It was kind of boring to watch after a while because you knew what they were going to do. Yeah. Whereas in the first in the first StarCraft, um, 
there's there's so much more mastery involved in like all the different things you can do and all of the uh, the the macros and the micros and I don't know any of those terms. <laughs> I don't know what they mean barely, but it made it made that game more interesting to watch because there was more going on. Uh, there was more that like a person who was better at that game was better at the game because they could do more inputs and they understood the game better mm. because they knew all of these things yeah. that other people didn't or something. So. You know, it's funny because I read an article recently about mm-hmm. Smash 4. Oh, yeah. And how it is more interesting to watch for the exact opposite reason, which mm. is that it's more likely to have upsets because the game is more, it's easier, it's easier for players to master than, than Melee. Yes. Which, oh, it's much easier to master than And Melee. so as a result, in Melee, which is still incredibly popular, mm-hmm. compa- even compared to, to a much newer game mm-hmm. um, in tournament play, um, there are a few top players and that never changes. Yes, and whereas in Smash Four, I think it's because it's a little bit more of a optimized, simpler game. Uh, are we talking characters or players? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, in Super Smash Brothers Melee, there is there are a whole bunch of different like technical mechanics that make the game harder to approach when you're like getting in higher level gameplay. Yeah. Um, there's L canceling, which is a stupid mechanic where like <laughs> whenever you land, there's there's whenever you land when you're doing an attack, there's a little bit of uh, uh, re, uh, what's the word? End lag, mm-hmm. um, where like you can't do anything because because you're sitting there like getting back up from doing your attack. But if you press L when you land, um, you'll cut that time in half. All you have oh. to do is just press L and it does it. But you have to do that every time. It's not. I I find it to be a really stupid mechanic, <laughs> frankly, because it just makes it's something you all you ought, you have to do if you want to be better at the game. Right, right. And it just makes the base game harder. Right. There's no right. decision making involved in that. You just do it every time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, not like here's this thing that you could do at the right advantage moment to uh-huh. beat your opponent in this funny way. It's right. like, yep, and I have to do the L and I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Every single time, or else there's. So it sounds like the. I mean, related to this, why it might be more interesting, or yeah. there are more upsets in Smash Four, is that in in Melee it requires much more uh, technical precision. Yes, and so the people who are like you know more reliable machines are the are the ones that's, who are the best. Yeah, players. that's part of like yeah. L canceling is another thing. There's wave dashing where like you can so in Melee you can dodge and dodge in directions when you're in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you jump and immediately dodge like towards the ground, you'll slide. A bit, and you just keep doing that, and that's a large part of movement in melee is wave dashing, and it's 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 not super difficult to do initially, but like if you get really good, you got to be really fast and yeah, um, um, precise in that because like the way you angle your dash or your, the way you angle your dodge can determine how far you go, mm-hmm. um, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in it too. There's a lot of technical things in melee that cause it to be uh, difficult to approach, whereas um, in in Super Smash Brothers for Wii U, uh, there's and I guess the 3DS version, um, there's less of that. There's like, there's, they don't have a lot of those technical things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's way more characters, but um, a lot more of them are viable because they have, they have options and things that, um, that a lot of characters in Melee don't have. Like, I find Super Smash Brothers for Wii U to be more interesting to me than Melee because I think it's just, I, not only do I not, I, I don't like watching Melee as much because it's just, it's, it's too fast, I feel like, for mm-hmm. me. Um, but it's just too technical and stuff. I tried getting into uh, professional, not professional, 
but like trying to get more competitive in melee, but it's just too technical. Yeah. And I didn't pick very good characters either. <laughs> I played Kirby. Yay. Well, you just My like, favorite. It's so funny. Like you're, you, you are really into fighting games and yeah. you want people, people around here to take it more seriously. Yeah. But I, I have never, you oh, every fighting game you talk about, you have a favorite character that you've picked for seemingly reasons that are, <laughs> that, that I would pick a favorite character. Oh, like, Oh, you mean like just like, you're just into Kirby. I love Kirby. And like, yeah. I, I support you in all ways <laughs> on that. But I feel like, how, that you play, you must play Kirby in in Smash Four. I also. do, and but clearly Man, that's not Kirby's a, not good in Smash Four. That's <laughs> just unfortunate. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. But like that, that seems to go against a little bit of like what you seem to like about fighting games. I mean, part of part of it is, um, it's like if you beat somebody with a low tier hero and they're playing oh. somebody, then you're like, oh, I whipped you with a weak weak character, you know, uh-huh. something like that. So this is a little bit of a pride thing. There. Sure, but like I just like Kirby, so I play Kirby a lot and I think yeah. Kirby kind of matches my play style a little bit better there are other characters that play similar to Kirby that I would probably be better at like Mario is kind of similar to Kirby um, and he's much better but in, in Smash 4 but um, but he's not cute and round and pink yeah <laughs> <laughs> right there's, there's a whole bunch of <laughs> there's a whole bunch of different reasons to yeah. pick your characters but I think that like when you get up to the top level and you're like making money off of this and this is how you how you live yeah you need to pick higher tier characters because you need to win to serve up to 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 live it's like you don't <laughs> pick Timo unless you're trolling people yes yeah in league of legends yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's very much like how i pick uh like i in i'm just thinking for some reason i'm thinking of um uh suit mario 3d world mm-hmm. i always pick luigi because luigi's the best everybody <laughs> um but he has that that famous lack of traction mm-hmm. and so i just learned how to be good at that right and that's, that's because i just like luigi so like, yeah. like you're saying like kirby fits your play style but it's probably because you picked kirby that your play style evolved that's but, true which is that's great mm-hmm. yeah. is, how common is that in like you know amateur tournaments and sort of like local competitive that play. people like pick their character and they just uh adapt the yeah. their play style or, to do, the or does that attitude that is required at the higher levels is that permeate all the way down um it well uh i guess it depends on your how much you want to win and how much fun you're having yeah. like if you if you play bayonetta's high tier right now and a lot of people are complaining about her being too good and blah 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 well <laughs> y'all need to yeah, you know try to win instead of <laughs> complaining <laughs> about the characters but anyway uh <laughs> get good <laughs> right that um but uh so and that, but Bayonetta takes a certain kind of play style and is in in some ways maybe not fun for some people. So like they yeah. might play or a person might play as Bayonetta but not do as well because either they're that's not the play style that they enjoy or they um, just don't like. I mean that they're, they're just not that good at that that play style. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas they might get more success with somebody who's a little bit lower. Like maybe they'll play uh, Mario, for example, who plays dramatically differently from from Bayonetta, but. Um, you might have a better uh, time with Mario, and you might enjoy Mario better too. So. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, when you when you're just starting out in a tournament, you pick a character that you're good at, and like a lot of times, I think a lot of times when people go to a tournament, they're either they either have a drive to compete because like they're a big fish in a small pond, and they've just whooped all their friends. They're like, man, I'm so good at this game, I should just go into a tournament and make a lot of money, uh, and then they don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I think that's part of it. Or just like they might go to a tournament and just play friendlies, which is just like playing games outside of the actual tournament to learn about the game and get better or warm sure. up or just enjoy themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it just depends on the person. But mm-hmm. I think largely people just go initially they'll go to a tournament 
with the character that they enjoy most playing. Yeah, yeah. So know, it just yeah. gives me kind of hope because, like, the thing that walls fighting games off to me is that, mm-hmm. is like, I this seems to be only that motivation about just the competitive spirit of it. And video games have so many more dimensions to that. And yeah. it's just nice to hear that, like, that I'm 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 just not seeing it. It's not that it's not there. Yeah. Um, that there's those those extra levels are alive in that in those communities. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's great. It's definitely not just you pick the best character. Like there yeah. are characters they all play differently. At least they should. Mm-hmm. So you pick the character that's best for you. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Martha, did you answer the depth versus breadth question? Oh, I don't think so. I think I agree with you uh, in that it's better to have, uh, like I enjoy having lot like lots of characters that I could play mm-hmm. like in um overwatch mm-hmm. which is not a fighting game but it sort of is a fighting game <laughs> um <laughs> fighting it fits your original people. definition anyway. <laughs> yeah i suppose <laughs> yeah it's not but <laughs> but uh in that it's the same thing where every character has a set of like vastly different moves but they're all mapped to the same keys mm-hmm. so like you always have a movement based thing on your um, shift key and then like right click and left click do something yeah so like everybody has the same key mappings but they each have a different move connected to them so you only have to learn like you learn the character not the keys and mm-hmm. I, I agree that's best, best for me anyway mm-hmm. yeah right that's how Smash Bros works too Yeah, in that way yeah I don't know I think that in general fighting game people are like depth is way better but I just noticed that a lot of fighting games have a lot of options and I feel like a lot of them aren't useful, but it might, I think part of it might just be to, to, uh, to keep your opponent on the edge. Cause like you might use an unexpected move. They're like, why would you use that? And then it'll mess up their, their whole like game plan and stuff. So mm-hmm. it might screw them up. I don't know. I've just never found much success in doing that. <laughs> I just kick them yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll frustrate them. Enough. Mm-hmm. Um, before we, before we end, I wanted to make sure that I brought up the, there's this, um, website that i like to go to uh called sonichurricane.com they have a lot of information specifically on like footsies and things mm-hmm. um they got videos and examples of like high high level gameplay yeah of all of the different things they talk about it's really great and we'll link it in the show notes mm-hmm. nice. cool well uh, steven i have to say this might be one of the longest topics we've ever done on this show Whoa, oh holy crap <laughs> i did not even realize that <laughs> I'm just saying we don't ever have to talk about fighting games again. No, <laughs> We're going I'm to. kidding. Of course, I actually, I do. Before we get out of this, because yeah. you're not going to let yourself do this topic again for a long time, yeah, because you're so, so self conscious about it. <laughs> but um, I want to know what kind of fighting game you would make. Oh, oh yeah, because I like I. You talk about you don't seem to have like I have like a things I like and dislike about it, but yeah. you seem to be much more open to the genre, mm-hmm. and so I would love to see what. You know, if you the best the best of it, what would you put in your game? That is a good question. Put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I've always wanted to make. I really like it when fighting games have intuitive button presses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make a fighting game where, like, you had your A moves, which did like maybe fast moves. Your B moves, which did the longer and more complicated or the more damaging moves, mm-hmm. and then your special moves, which would be like unique to that character. Yeah, that was my thinking, and I, I've always had an idea where I wanted to make a game that was like set in a, a Dungeons and Dragon esque world, where yeah. like you played as a knight or a rogue or a wizard or something, and like their their fighting game 
the the way that they worked would work similarly to how they would work in the Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like Gauntlet, the fighting game. Yeah, yeah. That's It's actually kind of amazing because, yeah, those two ideas could really mesh well together, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's ever been done. Right, yeah. I wanted to do that. Um I wanted to make a, like I wanted to make one of the fighters be a, a dragon that you fight at the end of like, the <gasps> oh, campaign. Yeah, <laughs> it would be yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm on board. They yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should do that in our game jam. <laughs> maybe <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Oh man, I don't know if I want to do a fighting game during a game jam. <laughs> that would be hard. <laughs> you did that once already. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> See, that's why I always forget. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my topic uh, this episode is uh, character role-playing in narrative games. Uh-huh. Now, uh, during our anniversary episode, I talked a little bit about coming back from MDev and the topic, the round, or the, um, the narrative panel they had there. And, uh, and I, I've, So I've said some of this before, and I've said some of this last week, so uh, this will be kind of a retread, but I wanted to like um, expand on a little bit more. Um, this idea that uh, of uh, character creation in games... Uh, versus the sort of narrative uh, world and thrust of the author versus like the user story and all of that and how they can mix and what is commonly seen as like a a conflict between those ideas of a created character and a character creator mm-hmm. and um, and how I feel that that is not a super productive conflict in terms of like you know when you're talking about your design um, but yeah I was inspired by this talk at MDev um, where uh, there, a bunch of people were uh, you know had tons of experience in this and so you know they, they certainly know what they're talking about yeah. saying that like you know it's they really want a future where they can have a character that is completely defined by the player that the author has no input in whatsoever but still fits in the world perfectly right and it's a, it's a great dream to have mm-hmm. right um, and then they say you know the, the one thing they said and I mentioned this before um, is that when you cast voice actors for uh, characters who are then created by the player um, you have to, you kind of have to cast them as bland and generic as possible, so the player can map their own emotions onto the scene. So when a character is like, "Let's go get them bad guys," like you, you want, you want the character to feel what the what the player is feeling, and so you, you the character, the the voice actor can't put a lot of of their own into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel like that's so that feels like a. Um, it's like an uncanny valley thing, yeah. and um, a lot of uh, one of the things that someone on the panel had mentioned was like, oh, in the old days, the the player had to imagine so much of it, either through text boxes or because the art wasn't fully there, that all the things that were missing from the game, the player had to bring to it already, and they preferred that, right? Mm. And 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 there is something to that, but at the same time, it it strikes me as strange that the solution to that problem is now that we can do voice acting and and you know facial modeling and all these things to express emotion through character, that we do it but don't do it. <laughs> Um, I find yeah. that if the, if the goal really is to let the player map it entirely, well, then just don't put any of it in the game. Don't you know what I don't mean? Don't put like, voice acting and stuff in the game. Yeah, if you, if you if you want the character to not have any inflection, don't make them talk in a flat affect. Just don't make them talk. I agree. Um, well, it uh, in Destiny Two, um, your character never talks, right? Uh, but they get around that fact by having like a little robot next to you that talks. Yeah. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> At a time. No, no. <laughs> Dinklebot is bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> now it's Nolan Northbot, <laughs> and he's much better. <laughs> Everything, yeah. man. But you know that the silent protagonist is a big workaround for that. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's so funny in the, in Breath of the Wild. I find it so hilarious that Link is still a silent protagonist, but in cutscenes he still talks to characters. You just never hear what he says. Yeah. So it's not, it isn't that Link. Is, you know, sometimes it's a joke. Like um, in Portal, uh, Gladys you. would tease you. <laughs> You crazy mute lunatic. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and like that's great. It's good to call that stuff out, and that's fun because it does serve a gameplay purpose, right? And so hang a lampshade uh, lamp on it, go ahead. But in and that's what I think in Zelda that's been sort of the, the tack. But in this case, they just like he just stands there and he w- puts his arms out emotively, like <laughs> yeah. like he's talking, and yeah. then the characters say like. Oh, it's over the hill. Like, like it's like. Well, wait a minute. Did I actually say something to you? Yeah. Because Link is a silent protagonist, but in in Breath of the Wild, he's not. But to the play, I actually find that kind of innovative mm. and interesting. And Nintendo's always been great about like blurring the line between player and character, and not not caring and like understanding that immersion is not about tricking a person, right? Yeah. It, and so when you have a, an NPC say press A to do something like there's that is immersive that really is immersive to a story because it allows you to relate to it better even though it's in fact logically a plot hole like how would they know about the A button right I I don't agree with that really I don't find it to be more immersive I don't find it to be a problem well you have saying. a problem with immersion generally okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with immersion so much as everyone does it wrong oh. no I'm just kidding uh, but. I don't know. Like I, I find it to be. I feel like when when they do that, it just feels like I'm playing a video game, which is fine because you yeah. are playing a video game, and they're letting you know that you're playing a video. Right. Game. They are never going to fool me into thinking I'm not playing a video game for real. But like, and I guess it's just like when like characters say press the A button to jump or something. Um, then I just it just makes me aware that the characters are aware that I'm in a video game, which is fine too. Yeah, I, guess. I, I guess, just don't I guess my point is more immersive. If it comes as like a fourth wall breaking moment, yeah. it can be a little jarring. Yeah, but if it's part of the design, so mm-hmm. think Mario Odyssey is full of this. Yeah, like Mario Odyssey has so many on screen prompts, and you would think that would be kind of insulting, especially because Mario Odyssey is pretty much designed for longtime Mario players. Mm. It's it's newbie friendly, but like only to a point, like less so than Galaxy, less go- so than Mario 3D World. But it has tons of on-screen prompts, and they're all great. Mm. Like, I think it's it, it's part of it's part of the design, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I got sort of annoyed at one of the bosses, yeah. and I, Dylan's like, "Well, I'm gonna put my headphones on, and you can scream at it." <laughs> <laughs> um, and the on-screen prompts were like, "Really? Stop! I know exactly what I have to do, but now I can't do it, and you're just insulting me now." Oh, right. Sometimes it's contextual. Like if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. Like or yeah. like they make it slightly easier. Like they they um. Like I couldn't beat this boss for a while, and so then like a vendor showed up in the like right outside the boss, and was like, "Do you want a, a level up heart oh. to get more for life?" And I was like, "Yes, but <laughs> you know I'm bad." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't feel good. I agree. I guess that's a separate thing, though. That's a separate thing. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> off topic is is our brand, so I'm very happy. But um. So I, I want to just sort of outline the sort of types of characters on this spectrum and yeah. then sort of get into sort of more of the details on it. So uh, the, uh, so you have the one side, which is like, you know, a, a, a fully defined character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, narrative. So like Nathan Drake is kind of the, the or example of this, but also in point and click games, this is also pretty common that are like strictly narrative or visual novels oh, yeah. where the characters like, even though you make choices, the characters are um, mapped out entirely by the author and the player kind of assumes the role rather than brings themselves to it. At least that's the design mecha- uh, mechanic of it. Um, then, of course, you have defined but sort of open characters you can kind of pour yourselves into. This is probably the most common, I think. Um, like uh, uh, Master Chief is like a great example of this. Mm. Like Master Chief has a lot of opinions in cutscenes, <laughs> but like you, you, you are Master Chief, yeah. right? It's not, um, you, the, the character is not defined enough. And part of that is because the story is designed to be in the way that the, the player 
the player can't do anything that contradicts what the cutscene version of the character does. Right. And the cutscene version of the character can't really contradict anything that the player does. Yeah. So it all kind of hangs together. Mm-hmm. Um, Link is also an example of this, I think, especially in Breath of the Wild, where Link has a lot more personality than before. But at the same time, yeah. you are Link. Yeah. Uh, you feel much more like you are going through that world because so much of it is sort of open and unspoken. Right. Um, and there's like the total ciphers that are just literally not characters at all, but they have names and designs. Mm-hmm. So Doom Guy, right, is the example of this. <laughs> literally doesn't have a name. And I'd say Mario is this. Yeah. Um, I mean, Odyssey, had, had, you know, he has more, uh, Charles Matinee is having more lines of dialogue as the years go on. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's uh, Mario is nothing. Like, you are Mario. Yeah. Uh, even in, even in cutscenes. There's nothing to Mario at all. And that's, that's great. That's a, that's a good design choice, I suppose. Um, then, okay, now we get into the point where you're actually creating your characters. So mm-hmm. characters that are like co-authored by uh, the player. So like uh, Shepard from Mass Effect is an example of this. This is where I have the most problem because I feel like it doesn't accomplish either goal necessarily. And then the last category is really just the totally authored by a player. So The Sims, right? Yeah. Uh, or even in an MMO where you do have limited options, that is much more because you're, that character you create does not have a backstory, is not part of the plot in a way until the game starts, mm-hmm. um, that that is a character that's created totally by you. Even in a, even with an MMO, it has very few options yeah. uh, in terms of like how your character looks or defines or the we- weapons they're able to wield or the classes or anything. Like even that is, I think, much more of a character that belongs to the player because of the way the world is designed. Um, and that's, that is sort of the difference, I think, that a character creation is, to me, much more about the world than it is about the character creation part of it. Mm. Um, in terms of how that is expressed, I think. Um, yeah, but also like pen and paper RPGs are the same way, where you, you know, the GM has a lot of control over what your character is and where they came from, but that like you get to decide everything else about them, and this, your story doesn't start until the game starts. Yeah, um, which is that's why I think the 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 ambitions game designers have for creating characters, but giving you the option to create them as well. That sort of co-authored experience. I feel like that's always doomed to fail. It's like they pull one, one way too far or the other, either the player gets to do so much like in, um, uh, like saints row or grand theft auto where you, the, in an open world game, you can do whatever you want and all the backstory you just forget about because you don't need it. Mm-hmm. And then therefore what's the point? Or you have a character where the backstory is so interesting and well done that all of the character creation you do takes a backseat and doesn't matter yeah. anymore. And I feel like that the that attempt to find a balance seems silly to me. I mean, I think it's silly, but in a different direction yeah. than you in that I enjoy both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of like the ones that are halfway between yeah. either way. Like like in um, uh, Borderlands, mm-hmm. you're playing um, as a predefined character who has yeah. uh, their own opinions on every single part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also like like Destiny, where you have you control like control everything what your character looks like. Yeah. Um, but you don't really have any. You can't talk, so you don't have any options as to what your opinion is or yeah. anything. That's one where, in, at least in the the sort of the the campaign content, anyway, um, I would say that character much more belongs to the player, even though the story doesn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas the opposite of that is Mass Effect, where there's tons of character customization. But the character belongs to the story, mm-hmm. and the and, but the or the character belongs to the game, and the story belongs to the player because you have so many more options on on the results of things. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, and and so I would say that Destiny does a better job of letting the player feel like they are the character. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I think I kind of agree. Yeah. Like 
Well, I don't know. I have to replay Destiny, but like, <laughs> I'm just thinking of my time with Skyrim and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, if you just play the game without mods and stuff, you're you were you're being taken to be uh, uh, killed because you did some crime or something. I don't know. I don't remember that. I ain't played that in so long. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> You mean you haven't played the story content, the base Skyrim story content right. in a long time? I've and never. Even, I think you've even said it. before on the show that like you don't remember any of that. Like you've, yeah. I've never beaten the Skyrim story as mo- as yeah. many hours as I put into that game, <laughs> um, largely because of modding. Uh, but like, I think like. If you play base Skyrim, you are you have a ba- you have a backstory, but it's like bare bones. You're yeah. some kind of criminal or something, and then you get absolved of it because the dragon shows up and you know starts terrorizing this town. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you start mining the game and stuff, you don't have to start in that sort of thing. You can start uh, you can start as a bandit where you actually are an outlaw and you like have a have a, uh, a bounty and stuff on you and mm-hmm. whatever else, or you can start as like uh, you live in a house. And you and your that's what your character does, and maybe your character just cuts wood all day, and that's all they do. I don't know, um, but like I, I think that personally, I feel like the best way to go about doing it is to just not give your character's backstory and have the player make the backstory for them. Yeah, yeah. And then, like you were saying, Mark, make a world where this character has to make decisions based off of that. Mm-hmm. So, like for example. If your character is a rogue um, and just steals things um, and you need to go and uh, somebody asks you to save, uh, to get their golden claw back from this 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 uh, cave or whatever, maybe your rogue's like, you know what, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to deal with all those bad guys. <laughs> so they just <laughs> stay in the hunt and they just steal from whoever was giving them that task and yeah. then leaves them alone or whatever. Right, right, um, right. Because like you can make your own story from that. Whereas uh, maybe you are, maybe one of your characters is a, a, a warrior and was like, oh man, all this glory I could go by getting this golden claw. So you go after the thing full force. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that like giving the player that ability is more important. And I think that like in, in Mass Effect or uh, Dragon Age or whatever else, like instead of giving your character a whole bunch of backstory and stuff and making them super important or whatever and forcing them to like do these things. I think it would be at least for me. I would feel more like I'm role playing as a character if I made a character and was um, forced to. Well, I forced myself to make those decisions that yeah. the, my the character I have created would make. That is a great segue to <laughs> the second part of this topic, yes. which is, um, you know, if you want to tell a story mm-hmm. as an author. Mm-hmm then uh, I think it starts to come at odds with what you're describing, yeah. which I think you're totally right. Like if you want that character to belong to the player, you have to, you do have to let the player do so much more. And then it requires, and now we're talking sort of like unlimited budgets kind of gaming here. Yeah. But like if you had an open world game that supported all these different decisions, I mean, that's that, that these are all laudable goals to, to for in terms of game design. But once you start wanting to have a say in what happens, if you want your story to mean something, if you want, and then you want the player to interact and engage with it, then I think it becomes, I think designers get really, they get immediately flummoxed. Like, well, we're going to have to do that thing where like kind of trying to balance it and like trying to make it work. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the, and I think I even used this example when we talked about this earlier, but I, I wanted to repeat it, which is the idea of, of feeling empathy and, 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 um, and the perspective of a character yeah. has, not it's not always required that you the player need to have the same 
perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, you think about like a film, like an action film or a horror film, right? In a horror film, the character is huddled in the corner hiding from the villain and, and you as the viewer are also scared. Yes. And so that feels like perfect empathy, right? But in an action film, a character is running down a hallway and they're also scared and, and you know, maybe they're one of those like, you know, uh, vulnerable heroes. So they're like, they don't know if they're going to make it and mm-hmm. like they're feeling tense, but you on the couch are like excited. Right, you're you're feeling different from what that character is, but yeah. you're still empathizing with them, and you're still part of their perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, a horror movie is not the way they do it. It's not better. It's just that those scenes had different purposes. Mm-hmm. The scene in the horror movie was designed to get the viewers afraid, and the scene in the action movie is designed to get the viewer excited. Um, but both of those have equal empathy with the characters that they're being told their perspective of. And I think video games don't understand that. I think they, video games seem to think that the horror movie model is the only way to make that work, to make a, pl- a, a player feel like that they are role-playing a character. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you, in pen and paper role-playing games, how many giant dragons have you gone against where you're not at all experiencing the emotions that your character is, but you still feel totally immersed in that world? And I think that video games seem to be going for a different holy grail. They seem to think that like that's not... At least that's from what I've heard from designers and what I, you know, like watching GDC talks and seeing and seeing how games are put together. Yeah. They seem to kind of not understand that you can have that. And this kind of on a time with like the like the uh, the fourth wall breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not going to convince a player they're not playing a video game. And, and that's not that should not, never be your goal in trying to get that kind of immersion. And so I think about um, a character like Shepard. I think I would feel much more in control of that character if 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 more of that backstory was part of the character because then I could inhabit that role and I could role play as that character instead right. of instead of it requiring it to act the way I would want to act necessarily and that again it's separate from dialogue choices and Paragon Renegade stuff and deciding whether to cure the genophage or whatever mm-hmm. um, it, it's I think that that's why that that's why it always bothers me because I feel like there's so much more you can get and the, if the goal is to make the player feel more invested that it's their shepherd yeah then I think that giving the giving the character more thing more making more choices on behalf of the player in terms of how the characterization is presented. So if I make a choice, like I'm going to go down this hallway or that hallway, or I'm going to go fight the boss, or I'm going to run away from the boss. That's great player agency, right? But then I am perfectly happy with then the character being established up to now. I will make that choices kind of knowing how the character will react, but maybe I don't know. Certainly maybe it will surprise me. That's great. That's storytelling. Because like then that's me co-authoring the story with the author Yeah, is I get to decide how it goes but they get to decide how it's presented. And I feel like that, I don't see enough of that as being a goal when, when talking about giving players a lot, making players have their own user stories. It seems to be much more like, how much can we get off our, our shoulders? And how much, how much can we have like um, predictive models and AI to solve all these things? And a lot of that is great, but it, I feel like it's kind of missing the point. Am I wrong about that? Is this not a new idea? I just feel like I never hear anybody else talk about it in these terms. I guess my whole thinking of it is like I've enjoyed games even when the when felt immersed and and connected to the character really strongly even in games where like they haven't like maybe the the design thought behind them wasn't like what you were saying mm-hmm. and so I guess if you, if you're a person who is going to get immersed and attached to a character it might not matter yeah, and I guess it, it depends on the type of player you are as well. Because mm-hmm. certainly, like um, like Stephen, you have a particular type of character you play as every time you're given the option to customize. Well, that right? aesthetically, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a thing. That's, <laughs> yeah. not, that's not nothing. 
Um, whereas I, I will, I don't care as much. Uh-huh. Um, but also, it comes down to there's issues of like representation and like, and you know, I'm a straight white man, so like nothing in the, I can relate to everybody. Like that's because I've been given that gift of of like the sort of badge of normal. Like so, I've never had the uh-huh. burden of feeling that I couldn't relate because everything in the world is designed for me, so I don't have to worry. So maybe it's just easier for me to say that like like the, the author should have more control over the character because if a character is, you know, someone who's totally unlike me in background in, in every other way, I can still feel like I can inhabit that character yeah. because I've never been barred from that as society has never told me I couldn't do that. Um, That's an interesting angle, which I think it's a little bit uh-huh. and, and representation will does not mean as much to me personally because I don't get the benefit because there's no, because I have all the benefit already. Mm. So I, th- I think that's an important part of it too. And I think that might be, something that I'm missing when I describe these things, but I, I hope not to ignore it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, it might just depend on the type of player you are in terms of how, if, whether this matters to you or not. Like certainly there are players who are like, who hate the fact that the story is told for them and maybe that there's certain games they shouldn't play, but maybe they, they thought the problem with mass effect was that Shepard talked at all, you mm-hmm. know, like maybe that's what they thought the problem was. And maybe, and that, maybe they're not wrong, you know? So it might really just come down to play style. Yeah. I don't know. I guess like I'm thinking of like Uncharted or Tomb Raider or stuff. Yeah. Uh, I oftentimes, well, okay. Like I, I'll watch my brother play Uncharted because I yeah. don't really like Uncharted games very much, but he loves those games. Um, are you do you are you tricked into thinking it's a movie like that terrible commercial? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm definitely not tricked into thinking it's a movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like my, the way my brother plays games is interesting. The or specifically when like he has an audience. Yeah. Um, he will, <laughs> he will like purposely like angle cameras and stuff to get a good view of what's going on and stuff. He sort of plays it as though like he was a cameraman and a, the player at the same time. Yeah, oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he brings a new perspective to it, which is kind of nice. I I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like I approach games like that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's cool. Um, but like, I think that like. Charles is trying to play the game as though he was Nathan Drake. So he is inhabiting Nathan Drake as a character. And yeah. I think that he enjoys that. I don't, I don't, I, but like when I'm playing those games, I also feel like I'm supposed to be playing as Nathan Drake. Mm-hmm. And so like when Nathan Drake is supposed to be doing cool stuff, I'm like, oh man, I got to do cool stuff. But in reality, I'm not the one doing the cool stuff because I'll die or mess up or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, oh dang it. It's cut. got to do it over. Yeah. It feels like take two. Yeah. Right. Take two. <laughs> it feels like it, when that's happening, it, it doesn't feel like I'm playing as that character. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I think it's kind of like, I, I feel like a lot of triple game, A games are um, inspired by movies. Yeah. And so they try to make a player feel like they're the person, they're that the person in a movie. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it just makes me feel more pressure to like act like I'm a movie star or movie, or the person in the movie uh-huh. and like do cool stuff. But like, it's hard to do the cool stuff. Because you're jumping over a giant uh, a river or something, I don't know, whatever, uh-huh. um, and it it just it, that makes it it doesn't that doesn't feel immersive. That's not what I want to do, and that's not what I want this character to. do. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, <laughs> actually, a lot of that makes sense because it. Okay. it really comes down to how you design a game. Because yeah. it's not like there's no one right way to do it. Right, right it right, just right. feels like uh, my 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 problem is when you're trying to have it both ways. Yes, I think so. In in a game like Uncharted or a game that's much more cinematic and and really like the, all in all the interviews, that's all they talk about is how cinematic it is. Mm, so you know what they're trying to achieve. Why I don't like it so much. <laughs> but the, it, trying to communicate to you that you are your relationship to Nathan Drake should be similar as if your relationship to um, John McClane. Yeah, right. 
um, where you empathize and you follow and you share the perspective of that character, but at the same time, um, so that when you, yeah, when you, when you fail, it, like you can, you understand that, yeah, you just go back in time and start over a little bit. It's not, yeah. it's not the same as when you die as Pac-Man and you have one fewer lives or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it's interesting because like trying to find a way to relate to that, but in a way that, because my, my thinking is that if, if you make a game that has an opinion on this subject, right, on yeah. how the player should inter- to re- relate, sure, it should, a lot of players, r- regardless of their preferences, should be able to recognize that and, and then be on board with it, mm-hmm. uh, to a degree anyway. They should engage with it on its terms. As soon as you start fighting against that, then you've not done a good job explaining what it's supposed to be. And if a player is not interested in that, those things, as long as they understand what that is, then they can just not play that game. Yeah, I think. Um, so that's that's where I keep. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I want I want the opinion to be clear and and clearly communicated. Sure. Yeah. And, and maybe for you, Uncharted doesn't do that well enough, or maybe it's just the fact that like you can't engage it enough on its terms because you just don't like Uncharted that much. Mm-hmm. Which all that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it'll, I mean, I think hopefully my, my view on this allows for all types of games and all types of players. Yeah. I don't know. I think part of it is like how you approach games. Like if I'm playing Ninja Gaiden, I'm not trying to be Ryu Hayabusa. Right. I just want to play, beat all these crazy bosses and all these enemies and stuff. And I just want to play the game Yeah, and not so much be immersed with the character. Right. He's um, more of a Master Chief style character. Yeah. Right? And not, but not just, yeah, right. Cause that's the reason why I'm playing the game is to play the game and not be immersed in the story or re immersed in the character or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the way Uncharted works is that like you were supposed to be immersed in the story and the character because that's large part of the good part of that, frankly. Um, Wolfenstein yeah. 2 uh-huh. has an easy mode, which oh, is yeah. designed specifically for players like you who just want the story. Um, although Wolfenstein is probably a game you would enjoy on, on, on normal mm. in, in its own way. But um, for players who... Are, want more from a, a game like Uncharted, like what you want from Uncharted, um, uh, it has a mode where you can just sort of sail through it and just enjoy it as if you were watching a movie. And you still get to have the fun of playing a game, but the sort of challenge of like of a Ninja Gaiden is not there to yeah. distract you from its, the purpose of it. Yeah. I think Uncharted could certainly... I don't know. I think there is an easy mode in Uncharted, there is. but I, I don't know how easy it gets. I have no idea. But, um, but like, I am totally comfortable with games having just a walkthrough mode. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's, I'm not sure I would do that because yeah. I'm, I, because I'm very comfortable with, um, with engaging it on those multiple levels. I don't mm-hmm. seem to fight it in my mind. I don't mind it, but I, it might get me to play more games because I'm like, I don't want to sink a lot of hours into this, but I would love to see it. Right. So yeah. maybe, maybe uh, I, would, I, I mean, pick other easy games. mode, not only is it good for accessibility and stuff because not everybody can just can play on normal mode. Right. But, uh, like, I think that it's just great because, like, if you just want to get the story, you can just get the story and not have to deal with all of the extra crap. Especially since Uncharted yeah. gameplay sucks. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I went there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't but, know. But I, those I modes that, have to feel know. like they make sense. Yes, they can't just be like skipping a part of a the game. They have to feel. The, I think that puts a lot of onus on the game's narrative to drive the experience. Yeah, right. Like and to be worth it. You right? couldn't really do that in in in, in Dark Souls because that game needs to be difficult because that's part of the the narrative is yeah. explained or is portrayed through your difficulty in the right game. it's environmental storytelling has more value because of how hard it was for you to reach those right. points or how easy it would have been for you to miss yeah and so that's so much more a part of how the narrative is structured and how the relationship with the player is yep and having an easy mode would be great because you could just go through and find all the things and read all the lore yeah but that wouldn't be nearly the same experience and you would, wouldn't have nearly the same value right whereas right. an uncharted game certainly probably could mm-hmm. you know yep yep uh, so, 
before we end this topic, yes, I'll ask you the same question I asked you at the end of your topic, <laughs> which is like uh, in a game. I mean, forget plausibility here, but if mm-hmm. you, what kind of characters do you want to make in games you make? Uh, I think I largely would want to make ciphers so play, yeah. players could put their own yeah character into the whatever whoever I'm making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though, Vengeance has a bunch of different characters and they have their own different personalities. Yeah, but like. I don't know if uh, I, I. That's fine because that's not what Vengeance is about. Really, this feels like it fits. The, yeah. the, those characters don't have plot function, right? They right. Do, they just have defined characters. Yeah, I, for I the think most that's part, yeah. very much mm-hmm. what you, what what you're yep, describing. Right. Now. So that it works for Vengeance, but I think like maybe in a future game I would like to do that. Uh, that the Mage and the Night game that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That uh, would be similar to that. Like they wouldn't have so much of a personality, so that players could would input themselves in there. Yeah. Instead, that would be a really interesting one because. The mechanic is about relationships, mm-hmm. and so the less defined those characters are, the more it puts on the players playing to bring to it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, that's one where like I would be on your case about it probably, as, <laughs> as you put it together. Maybe you don't want to ask me for feedback. Ooh, put that one together. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I would I would want to have those characters have a lot to them and mm. have the have the have the players engage those relationships and see it. You know, to role play as them, but but yeah, you could do it anyway. You could make them utterly blank. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For me, I think it would depend on uh, the yeah the type of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for a point, my point and click game, you're playing predefined characters who, and you don't get any options, so yeah. you're just playing that as them. But um, like, if I ever made a open world sort of game or like a shooter mm-hmm. I would want well yeah that's a good that's a good point if it's a single player I would want it to be you you make all of the decisions on on like at least how they look yeah uh, but if it's one where there's like the possibility of well maybe you could play us through as different characters mm-hmm. so yeah I don't now. I'm now I'm, that I'm thinking about it. I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think definitely I'd want to make at least that you could make it look like how you want. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and then I, th- I think it's uh, just important to know that that is not all the work you need to do to to let the player create the character. Right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of games could benefit from that, just so you can have for purposes of representation or purposes of just because that's fun. Um, just as an extra thing, but I don't think that gets the job done. I'm thinking about another game idea I had where there would be predefined characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, either way. But I guess I don't understand the more part, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I th- I, because it's all holistic, I guess. The story has to relate to the character in a way that if, if you have a fully defined character and then you put them in, the, then they become the senator from West Virginia. Like, well, okay, but that matters more than like the fact that you gave him sunglasses, mm-hmm. like you know, right. in terms oh, yeah. of how okay. the character is defined. Um, I guess that's, I guess that just that's really right. just my entire point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but I, I, I'm with you guys. Like, it depends on the type of game. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's so important is that I think it's it's hard to have an, have an ideology about this about like the type of character. Cre- like, as a player, 
the games you play, it's perfectly happy fine to have a choice, even if it's a very narrow preference. Yeah. Um, but when you design, I think that you have to be open to letting it be the right system for the thing you want to do, and it's all related to all the other things you're deciding. So in Metro Nexus, my ma- in the single player mode, which no one's ever played, the main character has has a lot of personality, um, but none of that is ex- expressed in gameplay because it's a very sort of arcadey style, and the the story is very much defined for them. And I want. I want the player to engage that person and have empathy for them. But when they're playing as them, I'm less concerned about them feeling like they are themselves playing. Um, whereas in the VR uh, game that, I, that I, I've talked about on the show before, uh, Out of Bodies, I want the player, it's, you start off with kind of, it's sort of the, it's that amnesiac uh, uh, trope. You start off not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. And then you learn more and more about the world and a little bit more about yourself. And uh, the, I, the player engages with that as themselves and then they, as they learn more about their character, then they, the idea is to come to terms with what they have done as a player versus what their character was. And uh, I, it's not that the player remembers these things. They just learn about them separately. So that gives me a little bit of, a, of, of an out. It's, it's, a, it's not an uncommon trope in, in film to have a character like, oh, I, uh, like I learned who I was. Well, I'm different now. You know? and, yeah. I, and I want that. I think that level of immersion is fairly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but not in a big plot way. Like I'm not, I'm not going not to be big twist. You're the villain. And then, you know, you're going to do the good thing or the bad thing, um, uh, which has been done effectively in games before. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic, I think one of them did that. Sure. <laughs> I never played it. I just read, you know, read yeah. a little bit about that. But um, a very effective use of like, you know, oh, no, I'm the bad guy or oh, no, I'm not who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to do that on a much more subtle level. I want you to find out more about like, oh, I, I worked here or, oh, I, you know, I live in this place or I or, oh, I, you know, this is, oh, I have access to this, you know, like more related to the gameplay. Um, and so that is much more of a, the player playing as themselves, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I think not something I'm usually ex- personally as a player, I don't want as much of, but for this game, it makes much more sense to let the player define much more of what the character is. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it really just does depend. I wonder if just the act of putting a name to the, whatever character you're playing as makes a huge difference. Like doom guy is just doom guy. Yeah. And I don't think that's doom guy's name. <laughs> it's just what we call him. Cause he's a guy in doom. Yeah. But like, uh, Mass Effect. Actually, in the latest Doom, like yeah. Doom Guy is his last name. Like it's like a, Wait, it's a gag. Legit? I think, I think oh, so. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I might be wrong on that, but like it, it's a joke. Like his yeah, okay. his Doom Guy came about as a like you know like what are we gonna call this guy? Like yeah, like after the game was out. You know that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, your character in Quake has no name. You know? uh-huh. Although in Quake Two, there's much more story. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, when you when you as soon as you add any detail, mm-hmm. suddenly the whole, everything changes. Right. And I think that uh, uh, I just I I don't know. I think that I wish people were more cognizant of that instead of because they always they always feel like little features are fun things. Yeah. Like when you can, you can name Shepard, you can give him a first name. But mm-hmm. does anybody that, does no anybody remember what their first name no, Shepard no was? Calls them. Uh, so the fact that that feature is there is that's bad design. It's bad design. They should have just given Shepard a first name. You could still decide what he looks like, and if he's like. You know what? You know, everything about him because that you see in the game. Yeah. But because you can't see the first name in the game because you're not going to redo all the voice acting, mm-hmm. um, then it shouldn't have been there. Uh, I don't it does not. Agree a, with it. it does not aid immersion at all. I don't agree with it being bad design, but I don't agree with it. I do agree with it, like not yeah. impacting. The what game was the name of your shepherd? I don't. I don't barely remember. Bad what design. I can, that's not. That doesn't make it bad. Okay. <laughs> you can name your characters in Skyrim. They don't call you by your character name in Skyrim either. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just to differentiate one character from another character. Ah, but so you can name you the full name of the character in Skyrim. Yes, and no one ever says it. Yes, that's better because in Mass Effect, Mm -hmm. everyone called you Shepard, 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 Shepard. Because that's your last name, right? Right, but but you didn't get to decide it. Yes, so you didn't get to decide his name. 
or her name. Their name. Right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You didn't get to decide that character's name. Uh They are just Shepard. So by giving the player the ability to type in a name, Uh that is is bad design because it never matters. Whereas in in Skyrim, Uh you give a character a name and... And it never matters. It that's but that's okay. It never purports to matter. I don't see the difference either. <laughs> but <laughs> no, now I'm I guess because the game Pokemon. is contradicting you all the time. Is my point is in Skyrim you're never contradicted about your name choice, whereas in in Mass Effect you 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 like choose your name and then your last name is Shepard. But you know, but and then you make all these friends and none of them call you by your first name. I feel like that that feels like it it is not. Really, you guys don't. It's guys the same in it? Skyrim because you'll make a first name mm-hmm. and a last name, and no one will call you that. They'll call you Dovahkiin or Person or <laughs> I don't know what else they call. Because not everybody knows you're the Dovahkiin. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what they call you. Well, it's like in um uh, in Destiny, you're called Guardian all the time. Right. Yeah. And in uh, right, but you don't get don't get you yeah. don't get to. Type, choose your name either mm-hmm. but in and in, po- in pokemon mm-hmm. you have a name and then you have to make up a nickname and they call you your nickname but not your name but you get to make up the nickname that means um yes, you just pick you, from a you, oh you of, pick from a list yeah no uh oh i thought you picked from a list uh, this is an x and y oh okay uh you can put in your you put in your name yeah. and then you put in your nickname and then everyone ever calls you by your name they only call you by your nickname <laughs> that's well that's interesting but they still call you by what you choose right Right, but I just don't think that it's bad necessarily. Well, I'm saying, okay, if they had not let you pick the first name of Shepard, uh-huh. would that change the game in any way? It might for some people. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, just a There's, little bit. Because it, I think it's just like very small stuff that you can identify with makes it a little bit easier to identify with. Well, like, yeah. first names first names can tell you a lot about somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, if only that they're co- was but in like the game, for, <laughs> for diversity, though, yeah. they are coded. Yeah. And so if... And it's voice acted, so mm-hmm. they couldn't call you by your first name. Of course not. Because... But, like, calling your, your character Sally is way different than calling her, like... Yuvia or, yeah. or, or, you know, Shaniqua or whatever, you know, no, exa- ex- that's you're 100% right. It's just that that's not expressed because everybody calls you shepherd. Yeah. If everyone but, called you but, commander all the time, then I would feel that I feel that would be better. I feel like my name choice would stick with me. I would remember the character's name. I wouldn't remember better. the name either way. <laughs> I'd be honest. Yeah. Like they don't like in Skyrim, it only shows up when I save. So mm-hmm. it never appears. I just know the name of the character. Cause I'm like, Oh, right. I saved recently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's great. No, okay. I, I know you're not saying it's great. I'm just but saying I that, feel that like that's, it's, that's that conflict I'm talking about. It's the contradiction. Yeah. yeah. It's the saying, make this choice, but uh, but sorry, it was too technically difficult to make that choice matter at all. So we're going to like contradict it all the time. Well, I think I think the difference between you and us is mm-hmm. that we don't see that as a contradiction. Yes. You know? That's it. Yeah. Because yeah. Chinico Suffered sounds cool. Yeah. I like that name. <laughs> uh, but anyway. <laughs> well, I guess it's just like making your choices matter. And if they don't matter, you shouldn't be given the choice. Cause, well, because then it feels like a, for us they matter. Yeah, for what was, you, it, what was it your shepherd? I never played Mass Effect. Oh, uh, okay. But if I did, it would be like it, I wouldn't have noticed that they never called me by their first name. Yeah, like it wouldn't have uh, mattered. You would me. have noticed. I it's mean, I would famously it, noticeable that you never get called by your, the name you choose. Like, right, but like that's not a a different trope in game. Like that's like not a unusual thing in a game. Well, sure, like you're, sure. You're usually called something if you even if you. If it's a game where it's voice acted, mm-hmm. you're never called by your 
name that you picked because they just haven't figured out how to do that. Oh, yet. I, no, no, that that that, is, that goes right to the heart of my point. Is that they're, it's the trying to have your cake and eat it too. It's to say like well, we, we can't really do it, but we're going to like sort of pretend to do it. I think it's it's large. Well, I think this is a kind of a separate discussion because yeah. I think this is largely about representation at this point. But because uh, like being able to name put the first name in character is just a small thing you can do. Just like changing the look of your character doesn't yeah. really affect. Game I think you guys are missing. I I don't. I'm not yeah. saying that I'm upset that they that they never use the name. Yeah. I'm saying that they use Shepard instead. If they had used Commander, if I was just called Commander all yeah. the time, that would be worlds better. Then then my then my name would feel like it it actually was real because I made the choice. Doesn't matter that nobody calls me it. It, but, be, but because everyone calls me a actual name that I didn't choose uh-huh. rather than like title, uh-huh. right? Which is something that like is just, you know, or like when someone says like, hey, you or player or whatever yeah. to get around that technical problem. Yeah. That's the problem. That I think is the problem. I think that having, being able to choose your name is a huge part of that, that, that element. Okay. It's just that it, being able to only choose part of it and then that never coming up seems strange because Shepard is in conflict with the name you've chosen. Well, not ne- like, like that would not have bothered me because it's Shepard is the character. Like that yeah. is their name and I'm adding my little flair onto it. Just like I added, you know, I would add my face and my hair and whatever yeah. mm-hmm. to it. Um, which you, it doesn't actually matter either. Cause you know, like in, 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 a, lot, in a lot of games, it doesn't really matter because you can't see yourself if you're first person, right. unless yeah. it's in cutscenes and stuff. And then you're like, oh, there, there it is. Yeah. Um, but you do, in, in Mass Effect, you do see all that stuff because it's a third person game. Oh, well, okay. you well, see, see the back of your just... head most of the time. Well, it, but I mean, sure. Yeah. Mass Effect has a ton of cutscenes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Also, like, the, to me, Shepard feels a lot like a title. Like, when, I, when I've seen the game and heard about the game, uh, maybe I'll feel differently if I play it. Yeah. But um, if like the word shepherd has a has a meaning. Yeah. And, and so that, like fact, that's added. It's a great creative choice. The, in fact, uh, that they that they use that name like that's a great. And it feels like it's a nickname that they're gonna be that they're calling you because you've earned their respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to say, and like and a familiarity with with like I don't know. Well, I, I no, just don't think it, you make a lot of friends in that game. And it is very weird that none of them call you by your first name. Like, I think that depends on the relationship. No, no, it's, it's, it's not unusual for people to have friends who call them by their last names. Yeah. It's like, and so, like, plot-wise, it all hangs together. It just seems, like, very obvious. Like, you see the seams, is my point. Um, that, that's why I think it's, it, it's different. If, they, if they'd called you by your title or never used your name at all, I think that would be... Then well, having, well, choosing your character name. It would be weirder if you're like in an intimate relationship with the character and they're like, Captain, like the whole time. <laughs> that would be super right, you weird. Can, you can sleep with characters in that game. Yeah. And just, well, I know. That's why I'm not, I'm just saying that these, <laughs> these are, these are problems yeah, that, that, yeah. that come up, right? Yeah. This is, it, it becomes but, the difficulty uh, of this thing. I and just, they're just trying to have their cake and eat it too by letting you name the name. So my point is, is that just don't give them the choice to name then if the, if, well, if they're going to have a, a point where the name is important. If you're playing. Yeah. If you're designing for you, yeah. that's all I'm saying is yeah. that for, uh, I just don't think we can blanketly say this is bad design because both me, like, well, I guess I can't really say cause I haven't played it, yeah. but I don't think I would be annoyed by that. And you weren't annoyed uh, by that. And so obviously it wasn't a bad choice necessarily mm-hmm. for some, for a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, 
because they just didn't even notice it. So it's not even a problem. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like for you, it was a problem. Well, so I if would, you're designing for I people with your motivation, I wouldn't dock a point on a review score or something. I'm, I mean, this has gotten into like a big argument, but like, <laughs> I, 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 but I, it, it's a small thing that I think is bad mm. design. It's not, it's not like the, it doesn't cut to the heart of why Mass Effect is terrible or anything. Like, there's yeah. the, I don't mean that at all. Um, okay, well, we will agree to disagree. Mark thinks it's a bad design. <laughs> Me and Stephen don't think it's bad design. It's two to one. The Nice Games Club is ruled. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a preview of Nice Debate Club, which is always yeah. going to be two to one, I think. <laughs> which, well, yeah. well, not necessarily. Uh-huh. We should actually, Meta, talk about that. Yeah. The, the talk about maybe doing the secret topic or forbidden topic yeah. because, like, recent games that have come out have like caused storms about That's the very thing. True. So Steven's less excited because we, the co-op talk was sort of a, a little bit about that. Well, know. yeah, not just that, but like, I feel like I'd be the one hosting that one and I'd be, I have to mediate and I'd be like, <laughs> guys, guys, we'll bring in lane to do it. Okay. <laughs> that would be something. Hopefully our listeners have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> The forbidden topic. Yeah, whatever. We don't have to explain it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you guys for like getting through this because I think I like I mentioned it at, in the anniversary show, and I just thought like it deserved a little bit more yeah. walk through. And I'm 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 happy you guys let me do it. Thanks for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. We really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. And uh, Give us feedback on the feedback form, which is nicegames.club slash feedback. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you did it! <laughs> we also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all of the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. And so, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Well, uh, wait, wait, Martha, you hosted. Don't I get to do the puns? Oh, well, maybe I'm not qualified. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You need a, I have two degrees in puns. (laughs) No, just kidding. Uh, um, now, now now you've derailed, derailed my, my thing. I feel like this is unfair. Okay. Uh, in your fighting game, you, if you're, if you're playing a, Dungeons and Dragons character, you're gonna have to role play a lot. <laughs> yes, you know. Yes, good. good. Yeah. Solid. What was what was yours gonna be? Let's fight it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. My whole point was just to throw your rhythm off. I didn't have one of my own. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, wow. B plus all around. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.